Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome in another episode of In Defense of the Big 12. He's Brad Kellner in Austin, Texas. I'm Tyler McComas in Norman, Oklahoma. And boy, the old phrase is three strikes and you are out. The first strike for Tom Herman it's not winning enough football games. Second strike was the Eyes of Texas controversy that still may or may not be resolved at this point. Third strike, and maybe the biggest, Quinn Ewers, number one quarterback commit for what, the 2022 class? Is that right? Mm-hmm. Has officially decommitted from Texas after committing to the Horns, gosh, uh, three or four months ago. So this is, this is major news. And the one thing Tom Herman had going for him being back in 2021, well, too, he, he does have the buyout that's still attached to him. But he had maybe the best quarterback prospect that's out there since Trevor Lawrence. And now that he's de- decommitted and looking elsewhere, this um, it all feels like the end for Tom Herman, BK, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it on this podcast a number of times, right? It sort of feels like Tom Herman's days are numbered here in Austin And this might be the final straw for a lot of Longhorn fans. And I'm pretty sure the vast majority of this fan base has already kind of turned their backs on Tom Herman. But now you throw this into the mix, uh, losing the number one quarterback in the country for the class of 2022, a guy who's from the state of Texas, a guy who grew up a Longhorn fan. That is a huge, huge blow. And honestly, the 2021 class, which is this current recruiting class, has not been very good for Texas. They've missed out on a lot of guys, including some key pieces in state as well. It almost sort of feels like a transition class this year. And then you combine that with what's going on now with Ewers leaving the 2022 class. There's some rumors that maybe there are a couple of other kids currently committed to UT, both in 21 and 22, who might be reevaluating their decisions at this point. So yeah, it feels like things are really unraveling for Tom Herman, kind of a chain reaction of negative offense uh, events going on here at UT and it might spell doom for Tom Herman. I think the way or how Quinn Ewers and what he said in his commitment comes back to really haunt Texas really comes back to really haunt Tom Herman in this deal. Because if I remember correctly, Ewers was basically like, Hey, here's me as a young kid in a Texas Jersey and a Texas helmet. Like Texas has always been my school. I've always wanted to go to Texas, which, okay, that's cool. I mean, there, there's a lot of kids that do that. So how do you decommit in such a very short time from the school that you grew up loving and you wanted to attend? Like that makes it look terrible. Right. And, and the, and the thing that you come back to is like that program must be in such bad shape. He must not, not have any confidence in Tom Herman at all to commit to his favorite school and then decommit so shortly after. 
Yeah. I mean, a big part of where you commit is who is going to be coaching you. Right. And it's funny. I hear a lot of people say, no, no, no. Commit to the school. Right. Don't commit to the coach because coaches leave all the time. That's so much easier said than done. Right. And I think it's really, really important, especially if you have the ability to play on Sundays. Like I know we're totally forecasting for Quinn Ewers. He hadn't even played a senior year of high school yet, let alone taking a snap in college football. But it feels like that guy has a chance to maybe be an NFL player. You got to know who's coaching you. You got to know who's developing you and is going to make you some money down the road in your football career. Uh, Tom Herman, I mean, we don't know if he's going to be here in 2021, let alone in 2022. So, you know, I, I don't blame Quinn Ewers at all. Now, my question to him would be, and I get it, he's a junior in high school and he's not the first and he won't be the last person to say that they're 100% committed to a school and then decommit. Uh, I don't quite understand that bit. Right. I mean, his Tom Herman's seat was relatively warm going into the season. Now it's obviously got exponentially hotter because of the lack of success on the field and the whole eyes of Texas debate, which you brought up a couple of minutes ago. But I mean, it's not like Tom Herman had done anything at UT to guarantee that he was going to be the head coach in 2022. He just replaced more than half of his coaching staff this offseason. It felt like his seat was warming up a little bit. So, you know, my question is, why do you commit that early? when there's some disarray within the program but you know I guess it happens all the time so I can't get too mad at the kid and I also can't get too mad at the kid for decommitting I mean I've said it a lot I've said it on the show in Austin I've said it on this podcast it it, it feels like if you're committing to the University of Texas right now your number one priority is not to be an NFL player because the numbers are out there I mean Texas is doing a really really bad job one of the worst schools in all of college football in terms of developing four and five star prospects into NFL players so it's hard for me regardless of if they're generational Longhorns like the Brockermeyers or if they're from the state of Texas like Quinn Ewers or if you play your high school ball in the state of Texas it's hard for me to criticize a kid for wanting to go to a Clemson or an Alabama or an Ohio State or an LSU, hell, even in Oklahoma, because all of those programs are doing a much better job of developing talent and turning those guys into NFL players. So, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's brutal. It was rough news to uh, to see last night, no question, but I don't think it should come as too much of a surprise to, to anybody around Longhorn Nation. I want to remind you guys that In Defense of the Big 12 is sponsored by American Betting Experts. They're one of the largest licensed sports and casino vendors in the U.S., and we have teamed together to provide special gaming offers to all Landry Football followers and podcast listeners. Here's what you do. Go to our website, LandryFootball.com, click on the ad located in the upper right side of the page, and you can pick among the gaming sites legal in your state, such as BetMGM, DraftKings, FanDuel, and PointsBet, and you can sign up and instantly receive an account deposit match, or risk-free bet from $100 to $1,000. It's that easy. Go to LandryFootball.com, click on the ad located on the upper right side of the page, and get in on the action with a special offer from American Betting Experts. Um, Is this, I mean, I I guess losing out was probably number one, but where does this fall in terms of the most damning things that could have happened to Tom Herman this year, given the circumstances that we're in now? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to rank them, right? Like, ultimately, if he's winning football games, none of the other stuff matters, right? The eyes of Texas isn't a huge debate because people are satisfied with what the team is doing on the field, so they don't have to worry about what's happening after the games. And then if Texas is playing well and it looks like Tom Herman's doing enough to keep his job, then Quinn Ewer stays committed. So ultimately, all of these issues go back to one thing, 
And that's the fact that Texas isn't winning football games. I mean, this was supposed to be the year. Hell, Tom Herman himself said this was supposed to be the year where Texas is competing for championships. And, you know, mathematically, the Longhorns still have a shot to get to Arlington. And I don't want to say they control their own destiny because they don't, but they still do play the three top teams standings-wise in the Big 12 right now. So if they do run the table, which doesn't feel like it could happen, but if they do run the table, then they have a very, very good chance to get to Jerry World at the end of the year. So that's like the one thing Tom Herman can do to really turn this ship around. But, yeah, ultimately, I mean, that's the issue. This was supposed to be the year for Texas football to get back into the national picture and to win the conference championship for the first time in more than a decade. And what, three games into conference play? I know we're four games in now, but after the OU game, three games into conference play, it felt like Texas already did not have a chance to win this conference this year. So that's the number one issue right there, and everything else is uh, kind of stems from that. Hey, fill up those uh, comments. Fill up the comment section, by the way. We'll answer any questions you have. Spartan Martin's about out there somewhere. I don't, I don't know where he's at just yet. He's. Uh, I know we were a little bit late today. That's my fault. Uh, Spartan Martin's clocking in late as well. So uh, we'll he might have been here right at ten. He might have given up on you, Tyler. Probably so. So that's that's my <laughs> fault. I'll take that. Maybe I'll log in as Spartan Martin too or something. And start there you putting go. Putting something in the comment section. You never know. Um, speaking of Texas, they're on the road in Stillwater this weekend, still only a three and a half point underdog, three o'clock on Fox. I feel like before we actually get into this game, the, how upset Texas fans were after, I guess the week before the OU game, after Texas lost to TCU, I I feel like that's, that's all going to come back again, maybe even more, if they lose Quinn Ewers and lose another Big 12 game in the same week. I, I feel it's going to be as intense with Texas fans getting rid of Tom Herman as it's ever been at any point in his career. Yeah, I don't disagree at all, right? I mean, this could be the dagger for Texas, you know, talking about the Longhorns finding a way to get to the Big 12 championship game. It sort of feels like that's the only thing Tom Herman can do at this point to save his job. And if you lose on Saturday, that's your third loss. I know this conference is wide open, and it feels like anybody outside of Kansas can beat anybody. But if you lose a third game, you don't have a shot. Yeah. to get to the Big 12 title game. Plus, you got to throw tiebreakers into the mix, and Texas is going to be in a really, really bad way. So, yeah, you couple that with Quinn Ewers. I mean, if those two things happen in the same week, I mean, that to me feels like the biggest question right now because I don't think this team's going to run the table. I don't think Texas is going to get to the Big 12 championship game, which ultimately means I do think Tom Herman will not be the head coach in 2021. The question then becomes, is there anything that can happen that would cause Tom Herman to lose his job in the middle of the season, Mm. right? I mean, because everybody, like if he loses on Saturday, I think this fan base and the big money donors will be done. Hell, a lot of the big money donors wanted Tom Herman fired yesterday. And I mean that uh, rhetorically, right? I don't just mean with the Quinn Ewers news. I mean, like any time over the last couple of weeks, they would have been okay with Tom Herman losing his job. But yeah, the question becomes, okay, what does it take for him to lose his job midseason to where this program where Chris Del Conte feels like, hey, man, if we let this guy coach the last four games, then we're actually going to be in a worse spot than if we get rid of him right now. I think that's like the biggest storyline to watch, especially if Texas falls to OSU this weekend. Uh, Rich has got a comment for us here. Wouldn't Texas or Oklahoma have to win decisively to even have a a shot at making the playoffs? Rich, um, I think from both Oklahoma and Texas' case, they could win every game by 30 points out from here on out. I don't I don't think either of those two teams is making the college football playoff. 
Agreed. Yeah, we, I mean, we, we haven't I... even we legit haven't even discussed the college football playoff with these two teams. It's all about yeah. can they make the Big Twelve title or not? Yeah, and, and sorry if there was anything I said, Rich, that maybe insinuated that I thought the Horns had a chance to get into the playoff. No, right now that is not the case. Now going into the season, there were conversations about that, but I mean we've never seen a two loss team make it to the college football playoff. It sure as hell isn't going to be a two loss team coming out of this Big Twelve that is the first two-loss team to make it to the Final Four. So, yeah, Texas and Oklahoma, at this point, they're playing to try to find their way into the conference championship game, but uh, those teams' fate is sealed when it comes to the college football playoff. I mean, there's only, what, two teams right now that have a shot at the college football playoff in this league? Two? I mean, mathematically. I'm not saying I'm not saying one team really has a shot, but in terms of zero or one losses – Right. You've got Oklahoma State with zero losses and Kansas State with one loss. Now, I don't think Kansas State is going to run the table, and I think they might be out of college football playoff contention. Hell, if they lose to West Virginia on Saturday and Morgantown, they'll be out. But in terms of like just mathematics alone, there's only two teams left with zero or one loss in this league. Realistically, Oklahoma State's your only shot, but I guess you have to mention K State's name for the time being. I guess it would be kind of awesome if they let a team in that got beat by Arkansas State at home. That would be <laughs> yeah, kind of yeah you're, you're probably me, right. An Arkansas State team that was missing like eight starters in that game. Yeah, freaking yeah. kidding me. Yeah, now the odds, the odds for them, I guess, even if they do run the table, are uh, are pretty damn slim. But I would also say the odds of them running the table are even slimmer. So, hey, Rich, we appreciate the comment. If you'd like to to do us a solid here, um, you can hit the follow button. It's located at the bottom right of the screen. It's a little heart, and once you do that, you're going to receive an email or text notification every time we go live on the Chris Landry Football Show. But keep those comments rolling in. We'll answer questions periodically throughout the show. Let's actually get into the action for this Saturday. Um, it would help Tom Herman out quite a bit if he could go up to Stillwater and beat a top-six team on the road. But what can Texas realistically do? to give Oklahoma State any problems? Is it just the quarterback run game with, with Sam Ellinger? Is that is that basically it? Like Mike Gundy last year called, he said that OU's offense with Jalen Hurts is essentially a one-man show, which was true, but pretty hilarious at the same time. Yeah. I'm going to guess that Mike Gundy kind of thinks that this Texas offense is similar being a one-man show. Yeah, well, Texas doesn't want to be a one-man show. I mean, I think they kind of are, right? This team goes as Sam Ellinger goes, but Tom Herman, he talked about it during the bye week last week leading up to the Baylor game, and he's talked about it all week this week that they want to be a run-first type of team. I think they ran the ball 47 times against Baylor, and they only threw it 23 times against Baylor. So I don't know if you're going to get that split on Saturday. I don't know if that's feasible against Oklahoma State's defense. But in a perfect world, I think that's what Tom Herman wants to do. He wants to get the ball to his, I don't know if you can call it a three-headed monster because they haven't been very scary this year, but just three running backs uh, and let them take some of the pressure off of Sam Ellinger. But it's so weird. I mean, this is the top-scoring offense in the conference and one of the top-scoring offenses in college football. Hell, going into the Baylor game, Texas did have the number one scoring offense in the country. You would think that means things are going really, really well. And Texas has been very, very efficient and very effective in every game this year. But if you've watched this team play, that is clearly not the case. And Oklahoma State's got the best defense in this league. They've got one of the best defenses in college football right now. So uh, Texas has to figure some things out offensively. They have to find a way to be more efficient. And a couple of things the Longhorns have struggled with. They've struggled running the football. 
right? They ran it 47 times against Baylor. They won that game by double digits. So you'd think, okay, they were able to run the ball pretty effectively. Now they averaged 3.4 yards per carry in that game. So the offensive line isn't getting a lot of push. And also on the outside, the wide receivers cannot get off man coverage, right? The bump and run, TCU did it against Texas. Oklahoma did it against Texas at the Cotton Bowl. For some reason, maybe it's COVID-related and Baylor hadn't been able to practice for a while, so they weren't able to do all the things that they probably could have done on defense. But for some reason, the Baylor corners did not jam the Texas wide receivers that often in that game here this past Saturday. Oklahoma State, they do that anyways, right? Like that's not even a matchup thing. They put their corners on an island and they jam opposing wide receivers at the line of scrimmage. And oh, by the way, they've got two very, very good corners this year. Hell, three or four really good corners, to be honest. So that has caused this Texas offense problems this year. And that turns it into kind of a one-man show, like you talked about, right? The running game has been inconsistent. The wide receivers can't get open against man coverage. So Texas is at its best offensively when Sam Ellinger just kind of saves the day. When he's able to make some magic happen, pull a rabbit out of his hat. And that's probably not going to be enough to beat Oklahoma State on the road this weekend, but it feels like that's been Texas's best offense to this point this year. I, I know it's easy to say this from an outside perspective, but if I'm Tom Herman, I mean, coach aggressive, man. You know, make Spencer Sanders make mistakes. That is your key to winning this football game. Spencer Sanders turning the football over two or three times, which we know that he's very, very capable of doing. Um, yeah. Sam Ellinger's got to be good in the quarterback run game. And if that can happen, and if Spencer Sanders, if they can make him look average, Texas got a chance to win this game because like him, love him, hate him, Tom Herman is very good when he's an underdog to top 10 football teams, top 15 football teams. It's been proven before. But I know how college football coaches work. And even though I don't have a dog in the fight in this game, I'm going to get super PO'd when I see Texas have it fourth and three at the Oklahoma State 39-yard line, and they're going to punt it away to try to pin him deep and win the field mm. position battle. No, Tom Herman, be aggressive in this game. Coach like your job is on the line because, buddy, it is. Yeah. It better win out. Like, don't lose this game being conservative. If you're going to lose this game, at least throw the sink out and be aggressive. Your, your football team's going to respond a whole, a, whole, a whole lot better that way. Yeah, I'm with you. And it feels like whenever Tom Herman starts to pucker a little bit, he wants to establish the run. And in 2020, in this conference, I don't think that's your best recipe for success. And it's not like Texas has Ricky Williams or Earl Campbell or said Benson back there. Uh, none of these running backs have really stepped up and made some things happen. And also the offensive line – Hasn't been able to give you a whole lot, well, really either way, but in the running game especially. So, yeah, I mean, his job is on the line, right? It's not an act. It's not coach like your job's on the line. It's, well, your job is on the line. So, you know, find a way to get this win. And how about this stat, Tyler? You know, it's kind of a microcosm. There's so many stats you can look at to describe the futility of Texas football since 2010. Uh, that's the last time the Longhorns have beaten a top 10 team on the road. Wow. Nebraska, who hasn't been in this league for about a decade. Jeez. In 2010, now Texas went 5-7 and seven that year with Garrett Gilbert, who might be starting for the damn Cowboys it, this weekend. Oh, oh, God, stop. It hurts when you say that. I know. Nebraska wanted that game so bad in 2010. Yeah. Like, we're leaving because of Texas. Screw them. Screw them. We got a crappy Texas team coming in. We're in Nebraska. We think we're pretty good. and. They had some awful mistakes in that oh. game. I remember them dropping like a wide open touchdown, something like that. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they never could beat Texas. And then you couple that with the 09 Big 12 championship game where they feel like they got screwed, right, with the one second put back on the clock so Texas could beat them in that conference title game. Yeah, they really wanted that game, and they couldn't get it. But, yeah, I mean, Texas has top 10 wins since then, but in terms of on the road, like a true road game, uh, it's been since 2010 up in Lincoln that the Longhorns have beaten a top 10 team on the road. So, you know, the, the line is crazy to me, right? I mean, I, you brought it up a couple of minutes ago. The line has everything to do with Tom Herman's MO and his record, both against the spread and outright as an underdog. But if you've watched these two teams play this year, uh, Oklahoma State's double-digit points better than Texas. Yeah, right? The three to three and a half line that you're seeing only has to do with Tom Herman being an underdog because Vegas has been burned by that many a times. Uh, they're they're trying to guess this one right, but man, everybody here in Austin, all the guys I work with, we were pretty shocked to see the line. And I, I don't know how many Longhorn fans feel that Texas can keep this game within three, three and a half, let alone have a chance to beat this Oklahoma State team. Now, I routinely make fun of ESPN's football power index matchup predictor. I think the FPI, I mean, look at it, it's interesting, but I think for the most part, it's a pretty crap tool. They've got Texas 51.4% chance to win this game, Oklahoma State 48.6. Yeah. I don't get it because I'm leaning like OSU 31, Texas 21. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny. The the FPI, we actually talked about that on the show here in Austin yesterday. The only reason I give credence to the FBI is last year they correctly predicted Texas's record. Right. I mean, everyone in their mother, it's not just Longhorn fans like you had national pundits picking Texas to make the college football playoff. And I think I was pretty low. I had Texas going nine and three last year. And I think I was like the lowest expectation guy. You're the, you're the bad guy in town for about yeah, a month. And, and, and FBI had Texas going seven and five. And everyone's like, to hell with this metric. What do they know? Like, come on, man. We're going to be nine wins. We're going to be 10 wins. We might win the Big 12. We might make the college football playoff. And sure enough, they were right, right on the money last year, picking Texas to go seven and five. So that's like the hope, I guess, trying to be an optimist as a Longhorn grad that maybe the FBI can be right again with this football team. But yeah, that is shocking that they've got Texas to win. They still have Texas as the best team in the Big 12. And the FBI also has or also gives the Longhorns the second best chance to win this conference right wow. now behind only Oklahoma State. So, yeah, uh, that is uh, that is pretty shocking to see that they've got Texas favored to win this game on Saturday. Now, I wouldn't be all that surprised. I do think OSU's defense is pretty good, but their offense is just not the unit that we thought it might be. Like, I, OSU is very prone to taking a big crap on the bed in a big game like this, okay? This would actually be very, very Oklahoma State to be top six in the conference. Looks like they're heading towards a Big 12 championship berth, which, by the way, they've never played in the Big 12 championship game since the inception of the conference in 1996. So Oklahoma State does look like the better team. They look like the more well-coached team. Every, like, every edge goes to them heading into this game outside of probably the, the quarterback position. But if I know one thing about Oklahoma State, they will crap the bed at some point, and it wouldn't be the most shocking thing in the world if it came to Texas and Stillwater. Yeah, I mean, Mike Gundy's done a really, really good job against Texas over the years, right? And it usually – I mean, I'm with you on OSU kind of crap in the bed, but it usually happens in Bedlam, right? They usually wait until they yeah. play you guys before they choke it. Uh, Mike Gundy is 7-8 and eight in his career against Texas, but – He's won seven of the past 10 and four of the past five against the Longhorns. So 
he has had the better of whoever's been coaching for Texas in recent years. I'm with you, right? Oklahoma State usually does something to, to crap the bed, and maybe it's this weekend, but man, this team looks uh, really well coached. That defense is legit. I don't think it's a one-off. I don't think it's an accident either. I think Mike Gundy has been recruiting the right type of defensive player to be successful in this league. He's kind of playing positionless type of football, and he's got a lot of speed on that defense, right? You, uh, you want to look like what you hunt, I think is a, a very popular phrase from an old coach somewhere. I should probably know that, but if you're going up against some of the receivers and running backs in this league, you got to have some speed on the other side of the football. And that's what Gary Patterson has done for years. And that's what Mike Gundy is starting to do over the past couple of years. And that's why his defense has turned the corner. So that's legit. And then for OSU's offense, I mean, we don't know about them yet because Spencer Sanders has only played what a game and a quarter. Like they haven't looked great. I'm with you, but maybe Spencer Sanders can take that step. Did have a couple of turnovers last week, so that's still something to look out for, for sure. But like maybe the more reps he gets this year, the better Oklahoma State's offense can look. I don't think it's going to be a Brandon Whedon, uh, Des Bryant type of Oklahoma State offense or a Mason Rudolph, James Washington type of Oklahoma State offense or a Zach Bryant or Zach Robinson and Des Bryant, I should say. It was yep. Whedon and Blackman, yep. Robinson and Bryant, Rudolph. And Washington. There we go. I got all my uh, QB wide receivers combo figured out. I don't think they're going to be like that good where they're scoring 40 plus points per game, but I do think this offense will get better as the season moves along. They may not, they may not need to be that offense this year. Good with point. The defense they've had maybe, maybe their best when they're not trying to be in a track meet every single week. Uh, real quick before we move on to Oklahoma on the road in Lubbock Saturday night, which either one of these rich comments you got, we can, we can take here. Who is the best receiver and quarterback in the Big 12 right now? Homer Hat. I think Spencer Rattler, if he's not the best quarterback right now, is about to turn into one. I know he's had turnover issues in the past, but so does so does Brock Purdy. So does Spencer Sanders. I, I know that you'll probably make a case for Sam Ellinger, and I'll definitely listen to that one. But that's kind of quarterback-wise where I'd go right now. Spencer Rattler, I think, has the most upside out of anybody in the conference, and he'll get to that sooner rather than later. No pun intended. But mm. I'll listen to a Sam Ellinger argument, too. Yeah, I agree with you on the upside thing for Spencer Rattler, but I still think Sam Ellinger is the best quarterback in college, in college football in the Big 12 Conference this year. Uh, he's getting no help, man. And people will laugh and say, well, if he's so good, why is Texas 3-2? and two? And why were they 7-5 and five last year? Dude, the guy gets no help whatsoever, and he still is able to will this team to victories. I mean, he's he's the only reason Tom Herman still has a job right now. Uh, he's got nothing around him. His coaches have failed him. Some of the teammates have failed him over the years. I would have said before the year, maybe you could make a case for Brock Purdy. But yeah. even though Sam Ellinger is 3-2 and two and Texas appears to be worse than Iowa State right now, uh, the way Brock Purdy has played this year, I think he's actually fallen even further behind Sam Ellinger in that debate. So I'm still going with Sam. I think it could be Brock Purdy, but uh, I think at the end of the year, yeah, you might be right. It could be Spencer Rattler as this thing progresses. And then for wide receiver, Tylen Wallace is still Still for me too. Yeah, yeah. He, he may not have the best numbers in the league right now. His numbers are down, but he's still the best wide receiver. Yeah, he's a Glitnikoff finalist. He's ridiculously good. Has a chance to be a first-round pick next year. I mean, you guys at Oklahoma have a really, really good young guy in Marvin Mims who might be the best wide receiver in this league once Tylen Wallace leaves. But uh, right now, I don't think there should be any debate that uh, number two at OSU is your guy. Yeah, um, I I like what Tech has. Tech has a couple nice receivers, yeah. Tylen Wallace for sure. Which, speaking of Tech, they play Oklahoma this weekend. Sir Roderick Thompson is questionable for this game. 
Why do I keep on wanting to say Antoine Wesley, TJ Vasher is questionable for this game as well? If either of those two guys can't go or if they're not 100%, what are we talking about? I think Oklahoma rolls big. I, I just – I really feel, and, and maybe it's just because we've seen it before, that I just feel like this OU team is about to turn the corner and start playing its best football of the year. They, they showed me something last Saturday at TCU that they hadn't shown me all year. It's the capability of putting – four quarters together and playing a complete football game. So as we sit here today on Thursday, I feel good about this OU team right now. Strange things happened in Lubbock. I know that's your favorite quote. God. Not worried about it at all. I mean, Halloween night under the lights, seven o'clock in prime time in Lubbock at Jones AT&T stadium. No fear about any of that. No, uh uh-uh. No, no fear about it at all. Though tech fans, tech students are such devils, they'll probably like cast a spell on like Spencer Rattler getting hurt <laughs> in the second quarter or something like that. Oh, uh, no. But I just, here's what I think about tech. I think tech is one of those teams in the Big 12 that they're going to have one game at home this year where they put it all together. They play really well and they win. You know, they play above their heads a little bit, but, you know, it's just. Every team in the conference has that one game where one Saturday it comes all together, they put it together, and they look like a team that they're not on an everyday basis, but they have the capability to do so. I think what I'm saying is I think that happened last weekend for Texas Tech against West Virginia. And I know West Virginia isn't some world beater in this conference or anything, but Texas Tech played by far and away its best game of the year. Like I feel better about this game that since Texas Tech played so well last weekend, to me, Tech isn't a team that's capable of playing at that level in back-to-back weeks. Yeah, you might be right. I mean, hell, I heard you describing that game where Tech plays out of their minds and they play their best game of the season, and I was thinking that was the game against the Longhorns a couple well, maybe, of weeks ago. Okay, maybe that one. Funny, the, the week leading up to that game, I was kind of poo-pooing the notion of strange things happening in Lubbock. I'm like, dude, they haven't beaten Texas or OU at home since 2009. Like, we got to put that narrative to bed. But that was maybe the strangest football game I've ever seen. Now, I know Texas won that game, but they needed a miracle comeback in overtime to get the win over Texas Tech. Uh, Yeah, I mean, the Red Raiders aren't a great football team. It was an impressive win last week. That kid Columbia looks uh, to be pretty legit in the future of the quarterback position at Texas Tech. But I'm with you, man. I mean, what Oklahoma did in Fort Worth last weekend, very, very impressive. It appears TCU's not that good, but to just dominate a Gary Patterson team for four quarters is uh, not the easiest thing in the world to do. So I think Oklahoma has kind of turned a corner and I don't think Texas tech is very good. Uh, 14 and a half is the line though. I mean, that's, that's a lot of points right there. And you're right. I'm with you. If Thompson can't go, if Vasher can't go, then well, that makes life very, very difficult for, uh, for Texas tech, but I'm not sure I'm picking OU to cover. Like I, I still am worried about uh, like the fourth quarter issues and maybe just not being able to put everything together for all four quarters. So right now I'm leaning for the Red Raiders to cover the line, but I don't think this is going to be like a game-winning field goal type of situation. I think it'll be Oklahoma winning between 10 to 14 points. And oh, you might have a couple players out due to COVID, so watch mm. out for that one, a couple starters. But Ramondre Stevenson will be back. Trajan Bridges will be Brett will be back. Ronnie Perkins, who knows? I mean, I, I would lean towards no, to be honest with you, but at least you'll get your best running back back and maybe a wide receiver that can that can help you out. So help is on the way for OU. So maybe they'll even look like a better version of themselves as they have this year. But uh yeah, that's 
I, I mean, OU fans, I wouldn't hold your breath for Ronnie Perkins to be back this year. I mean, there's still a chance that he is. As of earlier this week, the OU coaching staff honestly didn't know for sure whether he was going to be back or not. But the other two guys will be back. So I think adding Ramondre Stevenson to the mix is a boost in the run game this team needs. I, I said earlier in the week, 38-20. I, I, feel, I still feel pretty good about that, which I okay. guess is the cover. 38-20 says to me that it's a similar football game as it was in TCU. You never feel like Tech's going to win, and you play pretty well on both sides. I, and I think this fan base will take that right now. Yeah, and that'd be another impressive performance by that OU defense, right? I mean, I know this isn't the best Texas Tech offense ever, but if you can hold two teams to 20 or less in back-to-back weeks in this league, that's pretty damn impressive, especially when Kansas isn't one of those two teams. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, Oklahoma – you know, that defense has been criticized a lot this year. They've fallen apart in fourth quarters, even in that win over Texas, right? I mean, they fell apart in the fourth quarter and and really struggled in the extra overtimes uh, against the Longhorns. But maybe they turned a corner over that bye week and with what they did in Fort Worth, uh, that would be huge for Alex Grinch's defense to start to resemble the 2019 Oklahoma defense a little bit more. Let me see Spencer Rattler look like he did last week. In control, poised, and not making mistakes. Yeah. I mean, he's been a very mistake-prone player, but he looked great last week. Great reads. Again, looked comfortable in the pocket, firing the football down the field. Um, hit by far and away his best game up to this point. So I want to continue to see Spencer Rattler play mistake-free football and more than anything, run on tech, man. Line up and run the football on tech. Their offensive line isn't very good either. OU should control the line of scrimmage in this game, which would mean to me that they that they probably they probably win this game. I I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm way too confident about this team all of a sudden, but I feel pretty good about OU going out to Tech and winning. Yeah, I don't think you're alone, right? I would guess the majority of Oklahoma fans aren't dreading this trip to Lubbock that much. They're not worried about the strange things happening with this Texas Tech team and the way Oklahoma looked last week. Uh, you guys are probably fine. Uh, the strangest line in the Big 12 this week, it's not OSU only minus three and a half against Texas. It's West by God, Virginia, as a three and a half point favorite at home over 16th ranked Kansas State. Yeah, what is Go that? Ahead. What Go, is I mean, that? Maybe we need American betting experts on to explain uh, this one to us, but try to explain to me how West Virginia is a favorite in this game. Uh, I mean, the casinos don't build themselves, right? So Vegas generally knows what they're doing. Now, every once in a while, they'll give you a gift. Right In the NFL, this past Sunday, Vegas gave us a gift because Green Bay was only a three-point favorite against the one and five Houston Texans. Every once in a while, you might overthink a line and say, oh, this is ridiculous, but really, Vegas is actually hooking us up with something. No, I, I thought that you were going to say that the Washington football team was only a uh, one-point favorite over <laughs> all Yeah, yeah, I mean, shoot. There's not a line big enough in the world right now. Uh, against these Dallas Cowboys. Holy crap. Uh, that might be, Vegas might be giving you a gift with two Big 12 games this weekend. One of them is the Oklahoma State Texas line, right? The fact that the Pokes are only three, three and a half point favorites. And then this one, too. Uh, I mean, Morgantown is a tough place to win, I guess, even without 100% capacity at Milan Pusker. Um, but man, I, I, Kansas State has looked really, really good. And I know they don't have Skylar Thompson, but Will Howard has passed every test to this point for K-State. Uh, I know beating Kansas last week is not impressive. I don't care how badly you beat the Jayhawks. Like, I don't, I don't really think that should count for anything this year. 
Uh, but yeah, West Virginia losing to Texas Tech last weekend as a favorite. The Mountaineers' offense just has been sputtering all year long. They have really, really struggled to get things going. I don't think that defense, I mean, the defensive front with the Stills brothers is good. The linebacker play, uh, Tony Fields, the grad transfer from Arizona, has been very, very good for West Virginia this year. So that defense is solid. And maybe they're thinking, okay, the West Virginia defense can keep a backup quarterback in check and maybe they can win a 21 to 17 type of football game. But man, I, I just feel like K-State's much better right now. And they're playing with a lot of confidence. And I don't know where West Virginia is at as a program right now. So I, I do think K-State's going to win this game outright, let alone cover the three and a half points on the road. Yeah, I mean, it's just a foregone conclusion around Oklahoma right now that, ah, Kansas State will just lose three games. OU needs K-State to lose three games to maybe make it to the Big 12 championship. Ah, Kansas State sucks. They got their backup quarterback. It's fine. But this is a K-State team that they still got Deuce Vaughn, man. All right? They can still run the football. They still have a really good defense, and they still might have the best coaching staff in all of the conference. And those things matter. If you can outcoach your opponent, if you can run the football and play good defense – then Kansas State could be fine. And Kansas State is still very much in the discussion to make the Big 12 championship game. So, and, and I've fallen victim to that too, as soon as it was revealed that Skylar Thompson was out. It's just this, oh yeah, Kansas State will lose three games. Like, maybe, but it's not a foregone conclusion. I mean, realistically, they could lose any of their last five games. At West Virginia, they're a dog. Oklahoma State at home, at Iowa State, at Baylor, and Texas at home. But, I mean, all they have to do is go three and two in that stretch, and I think that that's very doable for them. Yeah, I do too, right? I mean, I don't think they're losing this weekend, and I don't think they're going to lose to Baylor. So if they win one of Oklahoma State, Iowa State, and Texas, then they've got a really, really good shot to get themselves to Arlington in December. Uh, yeah, I mean, I you know, it's this will be a test. I, I, I thought Fort Worth would be a test for K-State, for Will Howard, and they won that game. No, it was low scoring, right? The offense didn't do a lot. It was 21-14 to 14 was the final score there. And, you know, I think we're learning that maybe we shouldn't put too much stock into beating Texas because I think after TCU beat Texas, people were like, okay, this team's yeah. really good, and maybe they've got a shot to get to Jerry World in December, and TCU's kind of falling apart. They haven't looked very good over the last two weeks. And obviously playing Kansas isn't that good. So maybe this is the toughest test that uh, K-State has had in a while, but I do expect them to win this football game. Yeah, Deuce Vaughn, the Central Texas kid, has been really, really good. Uh, the K-State defense, I think, has been the biggest story for that football team, and that's what's going to have to carry them, right? They're going to have to play old-school Bill Snyder type of Big 12 football where or Big 10 football, really, where, yeah, they control the clock, they win the time of possession battle, and they win it with running and defense. Because Will Howard's not the type of guy who could put up 35, 40 points week in and week out. So they've got to win these low-scoring, grinded-out type of football games. And so far, a year and a half into the Chris Kleiman era, K-State has proven the ability that they can do that. Well, hey, if any of these spreads look tasty to you, remember, take advantage of our special gaming offers from American betting experts. Go to LandryFootball.com, click on the ad located in the upper right side of the page, and you can pick among the gaming sites legal in your state. Sign up and instantly receive an account deposit match or risk-free bet from $100 to $1,000. It's that easy. We appreciate our sponsor, American Betting Experts. A um, couple other games in the conference this weekend. Not, not a whole lot of attention going to be by it. Iowa State at Kansas. 
I mean, Iowa State should just go down there and destroy KU. I, uh, I know yeah. it's going to hurt, but well, the yeah. saddest part of all of this is Vegas has finally picked up on how bad Kansas is. <laughs> Twenty. My cousins made some money over the last few weeks seeing these lines that uh, have not been skewed enough against the Jayhawks. Now, KU did cover thanks to a Puka Williams kickoff return touchdown in the last two minutes against West Virginia. But, man, K-State was only a 20-point favorite over KU in the Sunflower Showdown last week. That was easy, easy money right there. And I think Vegas is starting to realize how bad Kansas is. I mean, the line right now is 28. Uh, That might not even be enough. I'll be honest, I'll consider uh, hitting up American betting experts and putting some money on Iowa State because Kansas is that, that bad. They don't have Puka Williams. There's talk about Les Miles maybe being let go when this season comes to an end. And Iowa State's going to be hungry coming off a disappointing loss at Oklahoma State. They've got to get things back on track to try to find their way into the conference championship game at the end of the year. So, yeah, not a lot to talk about here. I think Iowa State's going to roll over KU on Saturday. TCU at Baylor, um, boy, if, if Baylor loses this game, like, kind of whatever, right? Like, Dave Aranda's going to get it going at some point. Like, kind of knew that this year was going to be tough. Their offense isn't very good. If TCU loses this game, then what are, what kind of a revelation that is? It, it, it looks worse for Texas that TCU is the only team at this point that has uh, – that's their only win up to this point, but – I'm not saying that Gary Patterson's on the hot seat, but his two offensive coordinators have to be on the hot seat if they lose this game to a bad Baylor team. Yeah, Baylor's really bad, man. And they've dealt with COVID more than anybody in this conference, damn near more than anybody in college football to this point. Uh, TCU should win this game. I know they've lost a few in a row, and they haven't looked very good in those games, but uh, I'm with you, man. If they lose this game in Waco on Saturday, what do you do? What do you do? And Gary Patterson, yeah, I'm with you. He's not on the hot seat right now. Hell, he's got a statue of himself already in front of Eamon G. Carter Stadium in Fort Worth. So I don't know if he'll ever be on the hot seat, right? It almost feels like a Bill Snyder type of situation where it's really he he has the job until he doesn't want it anymore. You put a statue of a guy when he's still coaching, then he tells you when he's leaving. Yeah, and and the thing is, like, whenever Gary Patterson has a bad year, he's been able to flip the script, and, like, the next year, TCU's all of a sudden contending, whether it was in the Mountain West or the WAC or obviously now in the Big 12. Like, every time they're down, it's almost a guarantee. It's a foregone conclusion that Gary Patterson teams are going to be really, really good the following season. Uh, That hasn't been the case this year. And maybe you chalk that up to the truncated offseason due to COVID. But, man, TCU has a lot of talent on its football team this year. Mm -hmm. And I know Max Duggan's only a sophomore, but that's a a second-year quarterback that they have in their system. They have some weapons on the outside. Their O-line is so bad, man. Their O-line is really bad. And that was a question going into the season. And maybe that has something to do with the offseason, right, not being able to get as many reps in for that group to try to uh, break them in a little bit. But – yeah, I mean, I I don't know what the patience level is. Like, once again, he's not on the hot seat right now, but, like, if this year continues to go the way it's gone for TCU and then next year, like, the Horned Frogs haven't turned a corner, then I wonder what type of questions are being had in Fort Worth. I'm with you. Dave Aranda, it feels like he has a bye this year. Now, people aren't happy with the fact that John Lovett and, Tr- and Tristan Ebner, the senior running back duo, the fact that they opted out after the Texas game, and those guys only got a combined eight carries, I think, against the Longhorns. So, there's some questioning there about, you know, Dave Aranda and Larry Fedora's offense, like whether or not these guys are being coached up right. But obviously no moves are going to be made after year one with this offseason at Baylor. So they're kind of living on uh, on free money right now. But for TCU, yeah, if they lose this game, 
Uh, there's going to be some questions, I think, going around up with Gary Patterson's program. Since we have a few minutes left, let's get national for a second because the Big Ten has denied Nebraska's attempt to replace its canceled game against Wisconsin with FCS Chattanooga. Chattanooga had already tested staff and players Wednesday, and they all came back negative. But the Big Ten said, uh, no suit for you, Nebraska. You're going to sit at home this weekend, not play, and you're going to like it. Now, I know that there's a lot of factors at play here. Nebraska gets a bigger payout in the Big Ten. Nebraska would probably have to pay money to the Big Ten to leave. But if all things were equal, do you think Nebraska would want to leave the Big Ten today and come uh-huh. back to the Big 12? Yeah, I wonder if this this is just Kevin Warren, the commissioner of the Big Ten, just giving a middle finger to Nebraska for all the shit that uh, they put him through this offseason, right? All the rumors of them leaving the conference, all the rumors of them trying to play teams from outside of the conference, right? Nebraska, it almost felt like they wanted to go rogue after the Big Ten said, we're not playing football this year. Nebraska was like, no, no, we're going to try to play football this year. So maybe this is a, uh, a middle finger from the Big Ten's office for, uh, for all of the stunts that they pulled in the offseason. But to answer your question, yeah. I mean, th- that marriage has not worked out well. And I don't know if I was talking about it with you or if I was talking about it with a buddy, but like of the four teams that left the Big 12 at the start of the last decade, A&M, Nebraska, Colorado, and Mizzou, feels like only one of those teams is actually enjoying its time in their new conference, and that's A&M. Right, yeah. and A&M is still kind of the laughing stock of the SEC, and they're still the butt of a lot of jokes in that conference. But they don't even know it. They're just like, hey, yeah. like they they get made fun of all the time, but they don't ever but, really. But realize. they're doing really well financially, and this year, yeah. you know, they're a top ten team right now. So that move, it, it's been a good thing for Texas A&M, right, to kind of get out of Texas's shadow and, and do their own thing in the SEC. Uh, all jokes aside, but yeah, for the other three teams, and I think Nebraska probably at the top of that list. Uh, it hasn't really been a great move to leave this conference. So, you know, we're still a couple of years away from conference realignment, but those questions are going to come up, right, when these TV rights deals go up at, in 2024, uh, whether or not there could be uh, some some uh, teams finding their way back into the Big 12 conference, and Nebraska could be one of them. Yeah, I don't think the Big 12 is in any position to say no to Nebraska right now either. So if they wanted to come back, I think they'd be welcomed with with open arms. Um, yeah, boy, I, it, their their program's just in a bad shape. I don't think that they're ever getting back, man. I not not that they ever made like a huge, you know, they didn't get the majority of their recruits. It seems like out of the state of Texas, but they've had to completely almost abandon that state because not being in the Big Twelve, being so far away from the state, they can't recruit in Texas right now. I, I feel like Nebraska's Nebraska's just kind of doomed to be average forever. And they have this feeling right now that it's like, okay, if Scott Frost can't get it done for us, then we are doomed just to be kind of average forever. Yeah, it feels like that's the best coach they could have gotten, right? And they probably only got Scott Frost because he went there and he played yeah. there, right? I mean, that was a big-time head coach. What he did at UCF, there were programs all across the country calling for his services. He wanted to take his dream job and try to get things right with his alma mater, but yeah, if he can't get the job, shoot, I don't know what they are going to do. And I don't know how valuable they are. I mean, you're probably right where the Big 12 is just going to be in scramble mode and they're doing whatever they can to stay alive and to keep Texas and Oklahoma happy. Uh, but, man, I, I don't know how many valuable assets Nebraska brings to the table right now, honestly, because they're, they're not really good at anything. All right, that's going to do it for us this week. Thanks to everybody that uh, checked us out. Thanks for the comments there, Rich. We'll be back Monday, 10 a.m. Central, 
which we're on Monday, 10 a.m. Central, and Thursday, 10 a.m. Central. So be sure to follow us on those days. For Brad Kellner, I'm Tyler McComas. We'll talk to you on Monday. Enjoy the football this weekend. We are in defense of the Big 12. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.